Well, praise the Lord. Good to see you emerging in times. As we continue our series, this will be the second in the series. Last week, we looked at false teachers, false prophets, cults, and those things that are beginning to become even more prevalent today than they have ever been, than we've ever seen them. Let me suffice it to say that we've always had false teachers. We've always had false prophets. If you go back and you read the scripture, you will find that they were present in the Old Testament. So it's not something new. However, we see an increase of them today unlike we have ever seen before. And they come with names that would make them appear that they're Christian in nature. But we looked at that last week as to what identifies them as being false teachers or false prophets or cults for that matter. Second in the series that I'm going to deal with today is the title is The Abandoning of Biblical Christianity. It's the abandoning of biblical Christianity. We're seeing it more today. It is on the rise. It is on the increase. Um, and it's becoming even more common today. But also, let me just say this as well. It's coming from both the Christian side and the secular side. And the thing that goes through your mind is probably, what you, how can it be coming from the Christian side? Well, let me tell you something. As more false teachers arise... And as more cults arise who identify themselves as Christian in nature, what you're doing is you're seeing this rise of abandoning the biblical or abandoning biblical Christianity. And what we're finding this increase today also has to do with another subject that we refer to as deconstruction. Uh, Deconstruction is an issue today. And it's becoming much more of an issue. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 1 through verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we will be in several passages of Scripture this morning. Because I want you to understand something. What I'm going to share with you today is just not a matter of my opinion. It's what we see happening. It's what we see occurring I, you know, I've shared statistics with you, okay? Statistics do speak to something. And generally, statistics, uh, statistics kind of paint a picture for us. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can get so hung up on the statistics that we miss what we really ought to be talking about versus the statistics themselves. The statistics are not good. And say statistics 10 times real fast, repeatedly in the same sentence, okay? And let's see how many times you can continue to say it. But statistics is one thing. What is causing those statistics or what is bringing about those statistics is what we need to talk about. That's what we need to discuss. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 3 One of the things that I want you to notice is Paul is writing to encourage Timothy. What we're seeing today is not the first time it has been seen. The warning has come out prior to this. And so as you look at verse 1, notice as Paul shares with Timothy, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith. 
And that falling away from the faith there, the Greek word for falling away in verse 1, here's what it means. It is a determined, willful defection from the faith. It is a willful defection. It's a determined walking away. Not just a not just a falling away because things have gotten difficult in life or, you know, I've kind of fallen away because of a phrase that we like to use and sometimes we refer to as I've, I've backslidden, okay? Hasn't, this is a willful defection from the faith. It's a willful walking away. What's amazing today, it doesn't take you long, go out on Google, put it out on Google, and of course we know Google always tells the truth about everything. Put it in there, look at Google Look at the number of those who have professed to be Christians or who have held to. Matter of fact, here's the other thing about them. They were held in leadership places that have today walked away from the faith. And here's what they say. I no longer believe in God. I no longer believe in Jesus Christ. I do not believe in that book that is nothing more than just a series of myth and fables, that none of it is true. How do they do that? How do you one day be embracing biblical Christianity, embracing God himself, embracing Jesus Christ and who he is, embracing the word of God as truth, and all of a sudden one day you turn and you just absolutely walk away from it and say, I no longer believe in it. How does that happen? Well, look at the last part of verse number one, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. That doesn't help. It does not help. Verse 2, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. What is it? It's a deliberate, willful defection. That's what Paul says here. This is not ones who just slip away. These are ones who walk away from the faith. Well, what has brought this on? Well, if you'll flip over to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, Paul is going to give us some insight into it as well. Matter of fact, in these last days, or in the last days, there will be lovers of self, Lovers of money and lovers of pleasure. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to notice with me verse 1 through verse 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. They're coming. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if, you, don't, if, if you don't already recognize this, things get more difficult it appears each month or each year as it goes along. Things are not getting better. Things are getting more difficult. And as things get more difficult, we need to understand and realize and wake up to understand that something's happening here. Something's changing. Well, let me tell you something. Paul's already spoke about it, that these days are going to come. And here's what he says. He says in verse 2, For men will be lovers of self, 
lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And notice what Paul says to Timothy, avoid such men as these. So what in the world is he saying? Let me tell you what you just found in those five verses. It is the three most prominent philosophies in the world today. Let me give them to you this morning. And here they are. Number one is lovers of self. It's called humanism. And folks, listen to me. If you think for a moment, our kids today are being taught and indoctrinated with humanistic teaching. And don't think for a moment that it's not happening. That's why I say it is so important that, yes, your kids are in school. Your kids go to church. But let me tell you something. Please listen to me this morning. The most important place for training to take place on our children when it comes to biblical Christianity is in the home. And that's where it's got to start. It has got to start in the home. That's where the very foundations that are placed underneath our children are in the home. The church... As we look at the church, please don't think for a moment it's our responsibility to teach or train your children. It's not. We're an extension of you. We're here to enforce what you should be teaching them at home. Teach them the Word of God. Here's what they need today. They need a steady dose of the Word of God. I've said this before from this pulpit many times. You cannot afford... You cannot afford not to teach them at home. If you're not teaching them, I will tell you, the world is teaching them today. And the world is not going to stop teaching them. They're indoctrinated. They're taught every day, every place they go, from TV to school to entertainment. It doesn't make any difference. Humanism being taught. Number two, lovers of money. It's what we refer to as materialism. Let me tell you something. Most have more today than they've ever had in their life. And what's it done? And see, he, he, this is the mindset. It's like the more, you, the more you have or the more you get, the more you what? Because, let me, let me tell you why. Because it never satisfies it never satisfies. So from a humanistic teaching to a materialism, is it any wonder that we find ourselves in the place that we're in? And it's a crying shame today that in the world of materialism that we live in today, that we're constantly having to beg to keep missionaries on the field today and to keep churches moving forward because of a lack of funds. Why? The priorities are out of kilter here. So from humanism to materialism, here comes the third one. It's called lovers of pleasure. Let me give you the phrase for that. It's very simple. It's, I'll spell it for you. 
It's spelled H-E-D-O-N-I-S-M, and that is pronounced hedonism. And what in the world are you talking about? Basically what it is, it's lovers of pleasure. Pleasure dominates your life. The more pleasure you have, the more pleasure you want. The more pleasure you can get yourself saturated with, the more pleasure you want to have. And it's interesting that we find ourselves there. Notice what Paul says to Timothy concerning these types. He said, avoid such men as these. Because I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to take you down the wrong path. You know, the popular phrase today that is going around is deconstruction. And let me tell you what the biblical phrase is falling away. The secular phrase is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. That willful defection. It's that willful walking away from the truth as we have it. You're probably wondering, well, Brother Robert, what in the world is deconstruction? Let me ask you a quick question. Just show of hands real quick. And this is where you respond to me. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to respond to me. If we don't get that right, we'll stay here till we do, okay? How many of you this morning know of or have heard of or understand what deconstruction is today? Very few hands. How many of you do not know? Just be honest. That's amazing. Deconstruction is taking place today in the classrooms of our schools and universities today, unlike it ever has before. And not just there. And not just there. Be careful. It's happening inside the walls of churches. Let me tell you why. I'll tell you what's not being taught today. I'll tell you what we have a a low dose of is doctrine. In our churches. What do you mean by doctrine? Well, how about how about the doctrine of bibliology or doctrine of the word, the doctrine of scripture? How about the doctrine of God? How about the doctrine of Jesus Christ? How about the doctrine of salvation? All of those that are foundational to who we are and what we believe. No wonder our young people today are struggling. Because when they hear this, and supposedly, it's coming from a Christian source. My dear friend, today, Christian has been hijacked. When you go back and you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, here's what you will find. And they were all called Christians for the first time where? At Antioch, because they were people of the way. What way of Jesus Christ? It's been hijacked. Deconstruction is taking place. What is deconstruction? Let me give you a quick definition of what deconstruction is. It's the process of questioning and reevaluating one's faith leading to a change in religious affiliation. It's basically questioning and then reevaluating one's faith based upon what you've heard, to bring about a change of religious affiliation. In other words, let me put it in simple terms for you, of walking or falling away, of abandoning it. Well, my gracious, 
You know, I've got somebody that's got two PhDs behind their last name. Apparently, they must know what they're talking about. Let me tell you something. And they love, they, 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 listen, they love to come down on the students. And let me tell you why. We've done a very poor job of equipping our students today to know why they believe what they believe. And they stand firm on the foundation of the Word of God. That's where it is. You can look at the statistics all day long. Let me tell you something. The statistics are not going to change until it changes at home. Fellas, fellas, please listen to me. It's not your wife's responsibility to do it. It's yours. Granddads, hey, you ought to be seen in that same capacity. It's awful quiet in here. Listen, please listen to me. We can talk about these statistics till we're blue in the face. And they're not going to change. Matter of fact, they're going to get worse. But I have a question for you. What are you doing in leading and teaching your children? Oh, oh I know what's coming next. Yeah, but you just don't understand the church. fallen leaders supposedly from the church well I hate to tell you this the church is not a perfect institution by no means I'm going to make a statement to you this morning please listen do not allow fallen leaders to negate your devotion to God Say that again. Do not allow fallen leaders to negate your devotion to God. Are you ready for this? Or is church? People say this all the time. Well, you know, churches are dying left and right. <laughs> yeah, they're closing their doors. But I'm going to say something to you this morning. The church is not dying. It's not going to. Kids who are 12 or 13 years old, let me show you how far this deconstruction is working its way down. Kids who are 12 or 13 years old are hearing that the Bible can't be trusted. God is a fairy tale. Christians are hateful. The church is for old people only. Hey, I want y'all to understand something. I embrace my age, okay? Am I getting older? I am. But does that mean, okay, just because I'm getting older, I have any less to give? No. See, we, we, we didn't got this mindset, it's this old versus young crusade today. Do you understand and realize that there's wisdom in our elders and for our elders to step up and invest in the younger ones I can remember as a boy growing up I used to sit on the on the front porch of 
my Uncle Oscar and Aunt Willa Mays, we used to go over there for Sunday dinner. And I'd sit on the front porch, and all the men would be sitting on the front porch. I'd sit down there on the step just to listen to them talk. It was unbelievable. The stuff that you would hear and pick up off of those front steps of the church. And they were the ones who made sure that everybody was in church on Sunday. And folks would gather together to eat for lunch. Always led in prayer, read in reading the Bible. All of those things that should be a part of who we are. And also they're told that religion is make-believe. In short, here's what they're being told. <laughs> it's time we move on from all of this, especially if you want to be cool and in. In other words, here it comes. You decide what's right and wrong. Let me tell you what that's called. It's called relativism. It's where we are today. Who I got to get on. That was the introduction. What is prompting the majority of it today is this right here. It's called the rejection of the Bible. It's rejection of Scripture. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. You should be right there. Just drop down, okay? Verse 16. You know, the question is, do we believe this? All Scripture is, in, is inspired. Uh, would you please look at the first word? Oh, you know, I, I hear people say this to me all the time. Brother Robert, <laughs> there you go again. You're back in that Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament is for old people. Well, I'm a little confused because Paul wrote, and here's what he said. He said that the Scripture was given to us as and for our, as an example to us. It's all relevant from Genesis to Revelation. I don't care what it is. It's all relevant to us today. You see, more and more people have rejected the Bible as the absolute authority on which to build one's worldview. And listen to me, please. It is making its way into the churches today. Well, it's the Word of God plus. It's the Word of God plus this. Or it's the Word of God plus this. It's the Word of God plus this. My dear friend, listen to me. It is not the Word of God plus anything. It's the Word of God. Finished and over. Genesis to the book of the Revelation. That's where it is. You say, well, Brother Robert, how, how in the world can you can say that? Well, the Bible has stood the test of time and the test of criticism. For thousands of years, it has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of criticism. Matter of fact, the Bible, the scripture that we have today, has more manuscripts of antiquity than any other writings of antiquity today. And I'll tell you this, they're more scrutinized, they're more labor-intensive, they're more labored over, they're more textually criticized than any other an, uh, writing of antiquity today. But yet we'll hold them up and want to take the Scripture and throw it out. No generation in history has had as many temptations 
as much entertainment and defilement. Access to knowledge right at their fingertips, literally as they do today. And here's the amazing thing to me. We've got access to more today. We've got access to more knowledge today, and we're further away from God today than we've ever been. How can that be? Well, turn with me to Judges. You should have known I'd go back to the Old Testament. Especially since it's for old people. (laughs) Judges chapter 2. We need to wake up and understand that we're in a war for our souls today. We're in a war for our souls. We're in a war for the souls of our children. Judges, the book of Judges is an interesting book. It's a cyclical book. Matter of fact, it's cyclical in this manner. Israel would be delivered. Things would be going well. Things would be just really well. They'd wind up falling into sin, find out and find themselves in bondage, cry out to God. God sends a judge. God delivers them, sets them back up again, and the cycle starts all over again. Well, they come in after Joshua. And what's interesting is to go back and read the account in Joshua, it says that Joshua died at an old age and Israel continued. When you come to Judges, it kind of changes just a little bit. Judges chapter 2 I want you to notice beginning in verse 6. So when Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all of the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Let me tell you what they did. They passed it on. They passed it on through those generations. But something happened. Verse 8, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in timnath Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. Verse 10, All that generation also were gathered to their father. In other words, that generation died off as well with Joshua. But there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. If that's not enough, go to chapter 6 and look at verse 13. This is Gideon. Most of us know who Gideon is. One of the judges. Judges chapter 6 and verse 13. Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? Why are we here? Why are we in this place? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Here's the lie they believe now. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. My dear friend, why? The Lord had not abandoned them. 
He was still there. He was still, he's trying to draw them to himself. Go to chapter 17 and verse 6. Chapter 17 and verse 6. The commentary just continues. Chapter 17 and verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And guess what? Every man did that which was right, what? In his own eyes. You want to know what's really sad? It's when you turn all the way to the end of Judges. Chapter 21 and verse 24 and verse 25. It is a sad commentary for us today. But I'm going to tell you something. We're quickly headed here. Verse 24. The sons of Israel departed from there at that time. Every man to his tribe and family. And each one of them went from there to his inheritance. In other words, they went back, went back to their own areas. Verse 25, and in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Hey, if it's right to you, do it. If it's right to you, do it. Why? Well, the Bible, it's not all sufficient. The Bible apparently is not authoritative. Why is it that we need to listen or pay any attention to the word of God? A.W. Tozier wrote this 60 years ago. 60 years ago, I want you to listen to what he wrote. The idea that this world is a playground instead of a battleground has now been accepted in practice by the vast majority of evangelical Christians. That was written 60 years ago. I can only imagine what he wrote today. Where are we? Folks, let me tell you something. You can read statistics all day long. Reading statistics does not fix the issue. Are things going to get worse? The Bible says it's going to. Perhaps you're here today. Maybe you're, you're struggling. You find yourself questioning God. Questioning his word. You know, just can't believe it anymore. Just can't believe it anymore. Please listen to me. You can't afford not to. So then where do you go? Where do you go? What do you do? What's the answer? I think the answer is closed in the is found in the closing chapter of the closing book and the closing verses of the New Testament. Instead of running to God, let me tell you what we try to do. We run as fast as we can away from Him. Let me tell you why. Because we've allowed Satan to fill our thoughts Remember Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were in a perfect garden. Perfect. Created perfectly in the image of God. And Satan came along. After God had already commanded Adam and Eve, and as a matter of fact, he told Adam, not Eve, he told Adam. And matter of fact, at the end of the day, he kept looking for Adam, not for Eve. 
But he told Adam, gave Adam specific instructions, and here comes Satan along, and here's what he says. Surely God didn't say that. Listen to me. That's just what he wants you to believe today. Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Let me tell you why. God's already paid it. It's offered freely to you. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life, from the holy city which are written in this book. And he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I love verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So what is the answer? Just come to him. Do what? Embrace it. Embrace the word of God. I can tell you right now, it's true. Say, Brother Robert, how how do you know it's true? Examine the evidence. Just examine the evidence, and you will see. Is Jesus Christ real? Sure he is. Examine the evidence. Examine the evidence. Embrace him today. Abandoning biblical Christianity is on the rise, and we see it on the rise in our churches today.